Welcome back to another episode of the Upper Room Family Podcast. I'm your host, David, and joined again by uh, one of the most popular guests, backed by popular demand, my wife, Julie. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so popular. but She's popular with me. Um, so we've got um, just an update. We went to a conference this weekend. Uh, it was called the Legacy Conference, and I really felt that uh, there were a couple um, reasons for going. One, uh, definitely wanted to support uh, our good friends uh, and family, uh, Justin and Amber, uh, as they uh, attend church here and have really been, um, you know, walking alongside them through a lot of uh, their journey over the last uh, several um, years and hope to have them on the podcast to share more about that. But they both uh, invited us and uh, we wanted to just go and support them. Uh, but also I thought that, you know, in terms of this podcast and the Upper Room family, uh, it would be really good to uh, go to a local conference that's talking about family legacy. Uh, you know that our motto includes uh, equipping families to pursue God's design for discipleship, community, and dynasty. And I think that dynasty and legacy are close cousins uh, as far as their um, their relationship. So, um yeah, Julie, what did you think of the conference? Or I guess uh, maybe start us off with the question uh, that they started off the conference with, which was, what's your, what was your expectations? I guess going in, um, I think when he first asked that question, I thought, I don't know if I have any expectations. I'm just coming along. and But I really just sat there and thought, uh, I just wanted to have an open heart to hear God's word and to continue to pursue and build godly legacy that leads to a dynasty in my family for my children and their children and their children's children. Just, um, just talking about dynasty is opening up my eyes to think beyond myself and my own kids. Even though I tell them all the time, you know, I tell them all the time, I want grandkids. So, um, so, but thinking beyond that, um, that I could lay a foundation of faith that would precede me that my great, great, grandkids would never know me, but I'd have an imprint in some way in, uh, in their lives. So that's what, what my expectation was, I guess, overall yours. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think right alongside of that as well with just thinking about legacy, um, but more, more so than just, you know, our children, but, you know, um, you know, scripture says that, um, something like wise is the man who lives in inheritance to his children's children. So it's just thinking multi-generationally. Um, so, you know, our children are definitely our focus currently as they're still all home and we're raising them and training them. But, you know, just thinking to their children and, and you know, what does 400 years of the Martins look like, you know, and how can we put a stake in the ground and set some wheels in motion that would long outlive us um, as is recorded in the main scripture of the weekend, which was Hebrews 11, where we just see the hall of faith outlined, um, in Hebrews. But for me, you know, when the question was asked, I had, um, you know, four things. One was just that revelation of knowledge of the truth, uh, throughout the weekend, trying to figure out what is true, you know, what scriptures are really coming to light in my mind and in my spirit, uh, letting, letting God really just reveal, um, the knowledge that he would have me to uh, grasp a hold of that weekend. 
continued marital growth and maturity with you. Uh, we attended with just ourselves, left the kids uh, with grandma. So thank you, grandma, if you're listening. Uh, appreciate the time that uh, you give us to pursue our spiritual walk together. Mm-hmm. Um, and expecting to see God's handiwork in Justin and Amber. Uh, they were our table hosts. Shout out to table number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thank you for uh, inviting us. And they, even from the check-in, they they weren't uh, finding our names and they had our names backwards. And um, the, uh, I think her name was Sue uh, checking us in. I'm not really sure, but um, she's like, no, I know you're here because Justin and Amber told us that you are at their table. So, um, you know, it was just really great seeing Justin and Amber um, step up, leading a table, um, just seeing them in their home church environment and the uh, community that they have there was really great and um, definitely see God's hand in that. And then I pulled out a scripture as I was thinking of this, which was Deuteronomy 28. Uh, It's pretty long, 1 through 14. Um, but just faithfully obedient, uh, faithfully obeying the voice of the Lord, your God. Um, and you know, this really just kind of spoke to me about, um, serving, um, that, uh, says here, uh, in verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock, the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. Um, and so, Uh, It continues in verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. Um, So, you know, I just think that, you know, the Lord has put us in this land, in this area uh, for a reason, um, and he's going to provide and he's going to open up his good treasury uh, to us and to our family through our obedience to him. Amen. All right. So question, I, I wrote down question one. <laughs> I think it's really question two. Um, you know, what is an area personally that your faith has been challenged, damaged, or lost recently? And um, I'll start on this question. Uh, if you listen to our podcast on Monday, we talked about Second Timothy 3. And one of the things that I feel that I'm being convicted of is... Um, you know, the cautionary tale of the of those who appear to have godliness, but denying its power. And I think a lot of times in my work or in my um, identity, I find more and more that I seem to attach myself to my work or to um, the assurity of a paycheck, um, you know, that funds, you know, our, our, our living and, you know, puts food in our table and, allows us to do all the fun things that we're able to do. And maybe I appear to be godly at times, but I deny its power. I haven't given over completely submitted to Christ in all areas of my life. So that's an area that I've uh, been challenged in lately. Did you have that same question? Yeah, it was question number one that he asked the audience. And I'm trying to remember if I shared at our table, um, thinking recently that I've lost recently. I don't know. Or challenged in. But I think just having a solid understanding of scripture, um, just having, like I grew up not reading the Bible. Like The first time I ever read through the Bible was in my 20s. And so just um, that's been a challenge for me um, is studying the Bible differently. I, ha- I just bought an inductive Bible study Bible. 
and just the words are popping out in ways they never have before. So I don't know if that's that's actually solidifying my faith, just seeing um, the writings and, and seeing it for myself and really understanding that personally is what I've been experiencing um, and just knowing, you know, I was raised that you just listen to somebody else preach, somebody who studied and learned and knows the Greek. And, and I was never really encouraged to read my Bible. And now that I am, I just feel so much stronger. Like I own it now. Like it's, it's in me so much more than it ever was. And I had a fantastic foundation learning from pastors and sermons. So I do not discount that Mm -hmm. at all, especially as a young teen who knew nothing. And um, so it's just, it's wonderful. So um, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I think that's a lot of Christians if they think about their upbringing, right? As teenagers, um, I would say the large majority and, you know, studies show that the large majority of even current adult Christians have not read fully through um, the scriptures. So mm-hmm. you're not alone there, um, you know, and just leveraging uh, just or just thinking about my own upbringing, right? I think we were in the word. I was in the word some, uh, you know, different seasons of life. But, um, you know, just if the devotion had a couple verses, that was what I considered my Bible reading for the day, uh, not necessarily studying it um, in that inductive way that you are currently. So love that. The second question that they asked was, and this was really neat, and I think Julia will remember this, but it was question two, what is the relationship between faith and legacy? And before, so circle back a little bit, um, you know, this was Friday night, uh, it was kind of like the kickoff, just an evening session, and these were some of the questions that uh, Pastor Jared had brought to the groups to discuss at our individual tables in the sanctuary before his message. So he just kind of threw these uh, softballs out there, let them land where they may uh, with the table. And then he, you know, uh, after some time came back up and and started his message for the evening kickoff session. And uh, I don't know that as a table, we got to discuss this a lot. Um, I certainly didn't get to share, um, but I had written down Hebrews 11. And uh, when we thought about faith and legacy, that was, um, you know, I had to look in the back to kind of get there. But I knew that somewhere in Hebrews, you know, was the hall of hall of faith. Right. And uh, so when I thought of faith and legacy, well, the Bible has a lot of a lot to say in this Hebrews chapter, uh, specifically talking about the faith of our forefathers and those who uh, had come before us. So I thought that that was really neat because just a few moments later, Pastor Jared said, if you would turn to your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 <laughs> and uh, the whole weekend, uh, even his uncle on Saturday uh, decided to speak from Hebrews chapter 11 and they uh, they hadn't coordinated that. So mm-hmm. definitely a God moment there to uh, pull us all you know, individually and then collectively to Hebrews 11. But yeah. So yeah, to answer that question, the relationship between faith and legacy, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe, I don't know if this is my own notes, yeah, mm-hmm. comes to him, uh, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So mm-hmm. you can't have legacy without first 
having faith. You cannot please God without faith. I mean, a lot of times we think we're doing good things and wonderful things for, you know, but you don't please God at all without first having that initial faith Mm -hmm. that you believe his word, you believe what his son did. And yeah, so. Yeah. And works without faith is dead, right? It says elsewhere. So yeah, like it's a byproduct when you believe like you're transformed and um, in the women's session, she talked about, you know, God, he, he scoops out the yuckiness in our hearts and he puts himself in there and he fills you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so now you have all the power to be a tree uh, that is making fruits of love and joy, peace. You have all the power and of the fruits of the spirit. And the question is, is your tree growing those things? Does your tree and those those fruits aren't necessarily for you. Mm-hmm. I know this is kind of off tangent, but just the fruits that you're growing, the love, joy, peace, patience, they're not for you as much as they are to give mm-hmm. to other people. Can mm-hmm. people look at you as a tree that is filled with the Holy Spirit and they can pick off joy? Can they pick off the fruit of patience and self-control? Do they are you growing those things? So um I think that was more in the women's session, which I don't know think we'll talk about today, but that was... Uh, we'll talk about the whole conference today. <laughs> we'll have to find time. This will be a long, <laughs> a long one. But yeah. That was, that was really profound to me, just seeing like that the fruits of the Spirit help and empower me in mm-hmm. my faith, but they're not necessarily for me. Mm-hmm. They are to serve others, to love my neighbor. Um, and God empowers me that through that by loving him first and foremost. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, great. I think... Um, what I had written down there too, I took some notes. This is from Pastor Jared's uh, message that evening. Um, I said, you cannot please God without faith. Therefore, Satan will attack faith because mm-hmm. he's all about stopping any pleasure to God. He's not going to allow you to um, worship God. If he can attack your faith, he can He can disrupt the whole, the whole chain of events after that. Well, right. If he attacks your faith, then he's really attacking your legacy. Mm-hmm. He does not want us to succeed. And um, I put in a prayer in my notes that, Lord, sanctify me in my flesh, that what has died in me will stay dead and not be passed down to my family. And so the seeds of my flesh, my own personal tendencies, and we were all sinners and we all have tendencies. One of mine, I could say, would be anger, um, not being slow to anger. <laughs> And just being just really critical. And I want that to die with me. And I don't want the seed of my flesh to be passed on and live in my children. And so I pray, you know, as Jesus died for me, I died to my flesh. And so the seeds of my faith, I pray, will live in my children. Amen. Yeah. And when we look at the continuity of Hebrews 11, right, it... um, it just pulls out all of those, uh, like I said, the hall of faith, right? All of these, um, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, Moses, uh, Noah, and sprinkled in there, all of a sudden we come to, you know, Rahab the prostitute. And it still labels her no longer, you know, it doesn't just say Rahab, like it identifies her by her sin. Um, mm-hmm. But yet, you know, she was used in the lineage of Christ to, you know, be included in this hall of faith. And, you know, I just love that that, that exists, right? Because Satan's been after 
the lineage of Christ to try to stop the Messiah from even coming. And that's how he had attempted to, you know, prevent this gift of salvation and he still, you know, couldn't achieve it. And so we need to be steadfast in our faith to assure that he can't achieve that in our legacies and dynasties. And I think I love that Rahab is in the, I don't know, generation, mm-hmm. um, lineage. the lineage of Jesus, just because one, she's a woman, you know, usually like if you read through, you know, you've got, you've got Abraham, you got Isaac, you got Jacob, you've got Noah saying them all out of order, Enoch, yeah. <laughs> but, um, just bringing, you know, that is powerful. And, and also her sexual sin, she had been forgiven of all that just because of her faith. She believed all the rumors and the stories that were going on about Joshua and them going around and, and she believed it. And, and that was credited to her and that's as righteousness. And so Satan could deceive anybody that whatever, whatever's holding them back um, so that they stop having faith and then they stop pursuing God and then they just think, you know, they're not going to live out their legacy. And that's exactly, that's what Satan wants. He wants you to stop pursuing righteousness and it's just keep surrounding yourself. We got into Hebrews 12, which is, you know, there's a huge cloud of witnesses all around you. So let us throw off every sin that stands in your way. And, um, and so we need to remember that Satan wants to hinder you. He wants to entangle you and you need to run with perseverance, the race that's marked out for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And um, so Jesus suffered and died and endured so that you don't have to lose heart and grow weary. And um, so I just, it's so easy to get caught up in our sins and forget that just by our faith alone, uh, God calls us righteous and we need to trust in that and confess obviously so that um and repent turn away from it so we we don't continue running away from jesus but we're running towards him so yeah yeah and he cares about the generations right i mean we've got abraham isaac and jacob right um and you hear that so often in scripture or in um teaching biblical teaching you know the god of abraham Isaac and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the God of David and Russell and his son, right? Um, Or the God of, you know, Todd, my dad, Todd, David, Mm -hmm. Jackson, um, you know, my children. Well, I'm just picking out one, but yeah, Russell and Jackson. So, you know, I think when we think about our legacies or, you know, living a a dynastic uh, mindset, we need to be thinking about the generations that are before and that are after. And I think that's a good segue into at least the men's session on um, Saturday morning. We talked, uh, there was a couple panels and the first panel was really discussing uh, prior relationships, right? What was the relation, sorry, word scramble. What was the relationship that uh, you had with your father? And it was really beautiful. There was one, um, gentleman there on the panel who I believe it was like 25 years ago, um, you know, it was like the exact day that, uh, this conference was being held that his, um, his father had actually passed away. And so, you know, when he was reflecting back, it was just really, you know, a great way that he was able to honor the, the legacy of his father who, you know, he just started off by saying, I just miss my dad so much. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, what father wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want their son to, you know, say that after they're gone, um, that their father just, uh, was such an impactful individual in their life with, uh, left such a strong legacy that, you know, there's still 25 years after you're gone, still longing of your children to uh, be in your presence. So I'm so grateful that if we, um, if we all get to heaven, you know, we will all uh, see each other again. And that's just a great time and probably just a blink of an eye. Um, so uh, the first group was talking about uh, what was your relationship like with your father? What was your biggest fear about being a father? Um, and then, um, you know, the second group was really, or that was the second group's primary question, right? What is your biggest fear about being a father? And how important is a godly brotherhood in legacy? And, you know, we talk about um, community and discipleship, and I think that that is, um, you know, a key factor in having that godly brotherhood that you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death at times in life with someone and truly walk through it and not, um, not set up camp in the valley, right? We're not planning on staying there, and it takes a brotherhood sometimes around you, that community around you to pull you through those dark moments. So, um, I'll finish up our, our session with, um, you know, what matters most for you to leave, uh, in my family. Uh, so your children, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, you know, great, 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 right. Setting this, uh, this blessing in motion, uh, for the thousands of generations. Um, I had three things for me, Julie, uh, boldness in their faith. I think we need boldness now more than ever in my lifetime. And I only see it getting worse. In fact, scripture tells us that it will continue (laughs) to get worse. Um, peace amidst the uncertainty. So I pray that they would have boldness in their faith, peace amidst the uncertainty and just the true wisdom of the Lord that they would lean not on their own understanding, but in all their ways, acknowledge him. Amen. So, so what was the, so the men were at, uh, you know, you you definitely had the nicer of the venues, I would say (laughs) we were at a community center, which is great. Uh, but we were, you know, men in a basement talking about life together. The ladies were in the sanctuary with the milk and honey cafe right outside their door and, uh, probably had, um, tea and crumpets or something. I think you had snacks at your table. I'm not really sure, but what was the ladies session like on Saturday morning? So ours was on, uh, it was titled My Design, or at least the chart we got. It was on emotions, which uh, at first I had no, no idea how, what it had to do with legacy necessarily. But I think as women, we definitely are, I think we're definitely more emotional or reactors. We're supposed to respond. And um, I thought the talk was fantastic. Uh, I can't remember Pastor Jared's sister's name. Um, but she did the presentation and it was phenomenal. I believe she's a Christian counselor. And um, so she was talking about the four uh, ways that we respond to things. And uh, typically, uh, so the four things are physical, which goes to, so physical is we respond, um, we interact with our experience and the words through our five senses. So like we have a trigger, that's kind of like your trigger. What causes you to become emotional? And um, so it's through your senses. 
And then, so from that trigger, it goes to emotional. So these feelings give us information and motivate our behaviors and our feelings are emotional. They are nerve endings. And I I have a whole list here. If we could talk, I could talk with you personally, if you ever wanted to talk about this, but so usually, um, most of times our emotions are go from you get triggered and then you have this emotional response. So it could be good or bad. So it's this constant roller coaster of emotions. And, um, and we need to one, take that emotional response and not stop there. We need to go and take it into the spiritual side, which is um, that we hold captive every thought that comes into our mind and, We have the spirit and the job of the spirit is to worship and know truth. And so we need to channel our emotions because our emotions are real and what we're feeling is real. uh, But we got to remember that our feelings are subjective and not objective. So just knowing um, that we need to take our feelings and we need to put them against God's word and the reality of things because. it could all be impacted by our morals, our values, our beliefs, our convictions. And um, so just that was so important. So it goes physical, emotional, spiritual. And then from there, once you get an idea of what you're feeling and the truth, the actual truth behind it, then you go up to mental and that completes the circle. And knowing that the job of your mind is to think, to evaluate, to decide, and to command. And a lot of times, when we stop at the emotional side and we're on this roller coaster, we never fully use our mind. We never get to the mental part of thinking and knowing as Christians that we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to think like him. And if we just focus on our flesh and what we're feeling and our initial dislikes, desires, whatever it is, uh, we don't, we don't challenge ourselves to fully think all the way through and applying God's word, applying truth, because there's a lot of things that we're afraid of or that aren't reality. You know, it's, you know, anxiety is being worried about something that's not even happened yet. You know, so it's not a reality and we should be anxious for nothing because we're trusting in the Lord. So that was really powerful to me. Um, Some of the things that she said was we heal in relationship and not in isolation. And so it's so important that you are not alone when you're so important to not do it alone. You need, you need people, you need to be surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, people who can tell you the truth. Um, We heal with one another in prayer. So, um, so yeah, so just uh, bring it back to just triggers are opportunities for growth. Uh, They help you to recognize um, how you're feeling but then we just don't stop there. And um, you're not defined by your woundings. Your identity is in Christ. So a lot of times in our culture right now, it's all about our sin patterns. That's our identity, how we feel. I'm just that kind of person. That's just who I am. And that's, that's a lie. You are who Christ says you are. And, uh, and Christ loves you. He chose you. Um, You are redeemed by his blood And there's so much more to you than your sin. And just lay it all down, die with it, and come back fully reborn in Jesus Christ, knowing that you are a new person. And when you bring your sin and shame into the light, it loses its power. And 
And that's amazing and so freeing. So that mm-hmm. was the women's side. <laughs> Sounds like a great session. Um, you've got a little handout there. So that was nice. We, the difference between men's and women's, uh, we had no handouts. <laughs> to use this. I want to take it home. So I saw it on the fridge. So I want to use it with our girls, help mm-hmm. them to understand their emotions. They're getting to that age where yep. hormones come into play. And, and then with American Heritage Girls, it has a total social emotional side. And I think this will be really helpful to help me be able to just taking those thoughts captive and making them obedient yeah. to Christ. And just knowing your emotions are valid. Yeah. Um, God made you in his image. You are made in the image of God. And God has emotions. Mm-hmm. All right. He's happy. He's joyful. He's jealous. You know, he's angry. I might have said that one already. But, you know, and yeah. so we have those same emotions, but knowing how to channel them properly, uh, that your anger should not cause you to sin. Okay. They're, our emotions should not cause us to sin. And I think that's really important. And so when we do sin, we just need to really know how to hold that captive and put it against God's word. Mm-hmm. Amen. So had lunch, we had some downtime. We went for a walk, you and I together around the campus, which was uh, just a beautiful day for that. And then we got back together for uh, what was for us, the wrap up session. Um, they had, it was also the church's 25 year anniversary, I believe. And so they had um they had more to come uh, Sunday morning for their normal service. We attended our our home church uh, for Sunday, so we didn't get to attend that. So Saturday evening uh, was, I believe, Pastor Jared's uncle, um, John, I believe it's pronounced Mossbach. Um, I hope I pronounced that semi-close. <laughs> um, great Great speaker. I, I loved the final session. I don't know about you, but his uh, enthusiasm, it, it was wonderful. It was palpable. Mm-hmm. And we had a front row seat. Thanks, Justin Amber, for table number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was just really great uh, hearing him, you know, really, I think, love on his father, you know, who uh, put uh, this international missions together and raised their family of, I believe it was eight, seven or eight, uh, all of them you know, being in the ministry. So, you know, his father has definitely done something right uh, for all of his kids to just love the Lord, uh, their God with all their heart, mind, and soul. And you could feel that through his message. Um, And one of the things that, you know, stuck out kind of Friday, right? Hebrews 11 is everywhere through Hebrews 11. Even in my Bible, the title of Hebrews 11 is by faith. And it says by faith, um, you know, Abel, by faith, Noah, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, all the way down through. Um, and I just love that uh, he brought that out. He specifically focused on Noah. And um, the what I wrote down was just Noah preached for 120 years. And although no one else joined him inside the ark, his household was in the ark with a big exclamation point next to that. And, uh, you know, he spent that 120 years building and preaching, building and preaching. I can see, uh, I don't know if his, he's an evangelist. So I don't know if I call him Pastor John or just John or Evangelist John. I'm not sure the right title, even growing up in church. Um, but he just, he just really kept saying building and preaching, building and preaching. And I think that's so important when you're building a legacy, when you're building a, a dynasty within your family, that uh, those who may not be on board that you continue to build at the same time that you continue to pray and preach and try to reach those and, and pull them into that. Uh, and I, so I really enjoyed uh, that he brought that out. 
Um, yeah, I think, I mean, he talked yeah. about that over and over again, but um, uh, we need to, by faith, as we walk, as you walk through your daily life, uh, what God has promised for you in your life will happen if you're open to it. And so if God asks you to do something impossible, so we ask Noah to build an ark when it never rained ever. This massive thing took him 120 years to build. And so, but if God asked you to do something impossible, he will make it possible. So if there's something on your heart or something you've been thinking about, praying about doing, and you're like, there's just no way. But if God has put that desire in your heart to do, he's going to make it possible for you to do. Um, over and over again, I feel like the Lord puts things on me and I'm like, there's no way. But I realize in my weakness, I pray more. I am, I am in the word more because I know I can't do it without him. And I'm not relying on my own strength, which is the whole point of faith is believing in things unseen and and having the confidence that God is going to put put it to to pass mm-hmm. and um, God has all these good works that he wants us to accomplish that he's already prepared for us if we just have the faith to let go of our insecurities and our weaknesses and let God work through us and just see the impossible become possible in front of our eyes and that was really powerful to me and um and just just talking about just our family, um, Noah wanted his whole family to be saved. And the ark is a semblance of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our ark, right? He saves us. He lifts us up, you know, and, and we want to be shut in, in that ark with, with Noah, you know, with Jesus. And, um, I'm not sure if I'm explaining all that. Not that Noah is Jesus. No, he's not, but it's just an idea. The just ark a, being a, a symbolic of salvation and, you know, God, you know, honored Noah and his family for their faith. And mm-hmm. he, it says God shut the door yeah, and shut them into that salvation. And just like um, even, you know, water baptism, right? There's a, an analogy there too, because when they, when the waters receded and the door was opened, everything was was new it was new again you know the whole world was baptized and made new Mm -hmm. just like we are when we are baptized in water we come up as new like it's a reflection of what has already transpired in your faith and um i think that's just so important and jesus he said that jesus is the gate and you have to believe in jesus christ in order to be saved jesus is the only way uh, to get on that ark and, you know, not the literal arc, but you know what I'm saying? And uh, so that was a really good visual picture of that. And that he had a holy fear when he built the ark to save his family. And shouldn't we all have a holy fear that we want our families to be saved, our whole households? And so we want to be raising our kids to to believe in Jesus and raise them up in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and what could be better than that to have someday all of our family in heaven? It makes dying easier knowing that you're going to see them again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's till next time. You know, it's sad, of course, but it gives you hope. And life would not be worth living without hope for mm-hmm. sure. So, yeah, I think he also brought out the idea that, you know, could the question, right, could eight people be right in the entire world wrong? 
Hmm. Like in this day and age, like, Hmm. yeah, you're not thinking like the majority thinks or, you know, you're, uh, you know, everything's by democracy and a vote uh, and, and the majority wins. And it's so wrong. It's not scriptural at all. It's, you know, here we have Noah and his family, eight people, and God has preserved them. We see that in Sodom and Gomorrah, too, where there's uh, the pleading, Lord, if there's only 10, if there's only 30, you know, it goes down, right? It starts yeah. 50. If there's only 50, will you preserve this, you know, city? If there's only 40, if there's only 30, if there's only 10, and God keeps saying yes until he gets to such a low number that not even his entire family would have represented that number and they had to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. So God is is a compassionate God, mm-hmm. but he's just and you know also just for our culture, you know, if you hear the argument, well, the majority believes this. Well, the majority believed in a lot of things in our culture in mm-hmm. a lot of different times. The majority of, you know, this is an easy one, but the majority of Germany believed that they should you know, have this uh, plan to, you know, just have this, uh, you know, purification go through their their part of the world, right? And it led to just the slaughter of over 6 million Jewish mothers, fathers, and, and kids, right? So just because the majority thinks that something is, is right mm-hmm. uh, does not mean that it is right. So stand on truth and... Keep building. Keep building and, and preaching. And preaching, and I also love that, like, the holy fear drives us to obedience. And I, I had that written down, too. And my notes, uh, I just wrote, like, obedience is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, by renewing our minds moment by moment, and knowing that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God gives you the gift. I read this this morning in Ephesians. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit as a seal, and it's a promise of an inheritance to come. Mm -hmm. And so the one question I wrote down is, is your temple, is your body, which is supposed to be a living sacrifice to God, is your temple a pleasant and pleasing place for the spirit to reside? Mm. Like to me, that's, I mean, looking at all the nooks and crannies and the dark spaces in my heart, I know there's still parts of me that are not pleasing, that are not pleasant. And yet, so I, that's things to work Can't on. Say that again for those who are listening. What was the question? What's the question? The question is, is your temple, your body, mm-hmm. as a believer in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, a pleasant and pleasing place for the Spirit to mm-hmm. reside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just let that sink in. And, and if there's something that's not pleasant and pleasing, confess it right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't let one day go by where you are in isolation with your secret sin or whatever it is, like make it open, let the tears fall if they need to be healed by the power of the Holy spirit and, and the forgiveness of sins and know that God's mercy and compassion is for you, Mm -hmm. for you. And you are deeply loved and God wants all, all to be with him in heaven. I think he, you know, just talking about the fear of the Lord drives us to obedience. And I think our, our, modern Christianity, certainly our American view of Christianity and the prosperity gospel and um, just God is someone that's nice to add into my routine or it's it makes me feel good. Uh, I feel good when I worship, right? There's a lot of I, I, I 
And we've lost, I believe, in a lot of ways, this reverence, this holy reverence, this holy fear of the Lord that Noah had and that our our biblical, you know, forefathers had of of this obedience to the Lord's calling on their life. They didn't have all of these scriptures to to reference, but they listened to the Lord. They heard his calling on their life and they had a holy fear, not not fear like the boogeyman's going to get me. This 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 fear of this is the Lord speaking to me and who am I to question that? I need to follow this. Uh, and so I'm going to obey, uh, through some of those, um, you know, maybe worldly fears or doubts. So, Mm. um, and then he concluded by saying, (laughs) if you find yourself, you know, stuck without hope in this world, without hope, you know, in your faith and, and, and in Jesus Christ, you need to stop watching the news or reading the paper every day and start reading your Bible. And I wrote down, it's more accurate. I don't know if John said that or if that's something I wrote down, but mm-hmm. like. I wrote, it is the only truth news. Yeah. Your Bible. It's so accurate to everything that's If you happening. want truth social, just <laughs> read, read truth scripture. Like <laughs> yes. that is the only truth. It's more accurate. It's been more historically accurate. There's no, uh, there's nothing in, in any type of, you know, ancient literature or any other world religion that has been more accurate than the scriptures written over 15,000 years, I think it is, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, just 170 authors or something like that over all these different generations. And yet there's so many prophecies that are just made and fulfilled, made and fulfilled, made and fulfilled, mm-hmm. that there's no way this was just concocted by yeah. the mind of, of, of our human nature human ideas that this is truly god's word so um if you're watching the news for an hour a day you better be at least in your bible two hours a day so maybe that should give you a reference for how much you should be you're putting a gauntlet pretty high i don't know dave i don't know (laughs) i mean it's just you know if you know your scripture you know how it ends right i think i'm pretty sure i should probably fact check myself but i'm pretty (laughs) sure like the book of revelation the whole book of the bible ends with the word amen like it's done. We're, we agree mm-hmm. with these scriptures. So yeah, uh, I cut you off here. Why don't you close this out, Julie? Well, I just want to say, you know, if, if you're if reading your Bible isn't something that you do or have done, start in John and keep reading from there and uh, find a friend. I'm sure there's a Christian in your circle somewhere who's been praying for you that uh, that wants you to know the truth and uh, or go to find a church and find a pastor and ask ask them your questions. Don't be afraid. Uh, we we want you to know the truth, and um, we want you to be free. Really, Jesus came to save the world so that we could be free and at peace. And there's really no greater feeling than being free and at peace with the Lord and being truly loved. So I'll leave it at that. Sounds good. I told you you could close it out, but I'm going to close it out. I fact-checked myself. It does end with the word amen. And, you know, I think two things really sum up the weekend for me. Uh, One is how Cooper Stuff, another great podcast. If you're not listening to John Cooper's Cooper Stuff, I strongly recommend it. He ends every one of his podcasts with, read the Bible, you know. Um, So read the Bible. And uh, Undaunted Life with Kyle Thompson, you know, he keeps saying, uh, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. And no, I'm going to end it. I think of like CEF, right. like saying, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. You got to keep that in there. You can't edit it out. <laughs>